our people are traumatized. There are thousands of blue tarps on homes in Puerto Rico two years after Hurricane Maria. And today we have houses that are falling apart because of the tremors that are hitting our island. The trembling is happening all the time. Puerto Rico sits between two fault lines. We have families that are sleeping outside. We have kids and children without water or a school to go to. The central government does not have the capacity to be able to deal with this type of situation. It was the governor that admitted there is no emergency plan for earthquakes. This is where stateside, we have to exercise our social capital, our political capital, and our conscience. It is no time to just watch the news. It is no time to just say, I will pray for my family, or I hope that they are okay. Today we must do something, and it is time for action. Hi, everyone. That was Cristina Pasiones Zayas and Jesse Fuentes, co-chairs of the Puerto Rican Agenda, at a press conference announcing the reactivation of the Chicago Puerto Rican Agenda's 3Rs campaign for earthquake relief. Since December 28, 2019, close to 1,300 earthquakes have hit Puerto Rico, with the largest being a 6.4 magnitude quake. In response, Chicago's Puerto Rican agenda has reactivated their 3Rs campaign to rescue, bring relief, and rebuild the hardest hit parts of La Isla. Learn more about and or donate what you can to the 3Rs campaign at PuertoRicanChicago.org. Again, that's PuertoRicanChicago.org. Bienvenido, ahora está escuchando el Paseo Podcast, donde destacamos las historias de, por y para la comunidad puertorriqueña. Bienvenidos a todos, you are listening to the Paseo Podcast, where we highlight stories by, from, and about the Puerto Rican community. My name is Joshua Smezer de Leon, and I want to thank you for downloading this episode. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are streamed, give this podcast a like and subscribe to it. It makes a world of difference. We started this podcast as a way to bring attention to the diverse and vibrant stories that make up the Puerto Rican communities here in Paseo Boricua in Chicago and around the world. From La Isla to the diaspora, we hope you enjoy what you hear. On today's episode of the Paseo Podcast, I welcome back to the show, Sabrina Alicea. Last time she joined us was episode 19 of the podcast. After you're done listening to this episode, definitely go back, listen to that one, learn more about Sabrina. But today, she's here to talk about Somos Arte, an upcoming event hosted by the arts and education team of the Puerto Rican Festival of Chicago. But before we talk to Sabrina, I want to share my conversation with Jaiku Miosh, a poet and a visual artist here in Chicago. She also recently kicked off the Protagonista series hosted by Trans Chicago the other week. We're going to talk about her experience speaking at the Protagonista series, what it's like to share her story, self-love, Trans Chicago, and a bunch more. Let's jump into the interview. We are here in the Puerto Rican Cultural Center located on Paseo Boricua in Chicago, Illinois. I am here with a very special guest, Jaiku Niosh. Jai is okay, right? Jai is perfect. All right, welcome to the Paseo Podcast. How are you today? I'm good, and yourself? 
I'm very good. It's a beautiful cold day in Chicago. <laughs> yes, that it is. Uh, what should our what should our guests know about you? Well, I am a trans Afrotaina, mm -hmm. lover of all mediums of art. I was born and raised in the community of Humboldt Park, in the region, down the block. I'm just here just to share my story um, and just really just be mm -hmm. myself. Have fun with you all today. So we're, we're definitely going to talk about how you express yourself. Of course. Um, I saw this recently from Trans Chicago. There was an event a few days ago, February Correct. 14th, Valentine's Day. You were at the Protagonistas series. Correct. Uh, I believe this was the first in a yes, number of different series, events. Yes. So, so you kicked it off. Um, for our listeners that may not know, what is Trans Chicago and what is the Protagonistas series? Okay, so Trans Chicago is a safe haven for um, trans, gender not conforming, everybody on the spectrum um, provides HIV testing, STI testing, and linkage to care, essentially. What's the focus of the Protagonista series? I was telling you before we started mm -hmm. recording, I was like, man, I wish I didn't have a nine to five because it was during the day. Mm -hmm. So uh, I wasn't able to make it. But so what should people expect from that series? So it's essentially um, a platform to really listen to the voices that go unheard on your day to day basis. You know, the people that you see on the bus, people that you may see across the corner, you might look at it kind of weird. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, wow, that person looks different. It's giving those people a platform to really just tell the truth and just relax and have people ask questions about their experience. What was some of the things you shared at your event? Um, so I shared just a little bit about each stage of my life, from like childhood um, through high school years and university. Um, I talked about how when I was a child, um, I overcompensated um, for a lot of things. I was raised with my grandmother and my aunt, you know, amazing superwomen um, who really did what they had to do in order to provide for me. Um, they gave me a safe space um, based off of what they understood um, was okay. Um, we have we come from a Pentecostal background, so mm -hmm. you know that is a very strict way of thinking. Mm -hmm. So that kind of repressed or put a pause on my ability to really flourish as an individual. Um, mm -hmm. I talked about how I went to university, how um, I was given the opportunity to join an organization, um, almost like a prince of a legacy that had already been established. Um, but I realized that it just wasn't for me, that it really went against everything that I believed in as a person. Um, and it actually served as a catalyst for me to really explore my truth. Um, after that, I got into uh, more so fashion, um, really went to Goodwill thrifting, took that serious, just hopped into the women's uh, section and really just explored, you know, really um, took time to get to know myself, ask myself those hard questions. Um, I got into photography and really started taking pictures of my process, you know, um, just come up with portraits of how I felt at the moment. Um, I used to be really afraid of taking pictures of other people's taking pictures because it was their method of controlling my narrative, of controlling mm -hmm. how I was in the moment. And I just did not want to give other people that power over me. Yeah. So now um, I'm an artist and I do as I please, you know, I just really want to show people that um, your truth is beautiful and it's complex and it's not always squeaky clean mm -hmm. you know it there's layers to it that you really have to give yourself the opportunity to heal from you know past generational trauma um different mm -hmm. issues within our community that just just really put a damper on just the whole process of getting to know yourself 
So I, I talked a little bit about that. I <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely want to talk a bit more about self-love and mm-hmm. how that comes through in your work. Um, but can you share a bit more of that moment where you said, okay, I don't want people to control my narrative. I don't mm-hmm. want them to control who I am and how that's portrayed outwardly. Walk us through a bit more, share a bit more. What was that moment like where you were like, okay, this is how I'm going to reclaim mm-hmm. or control mm-hmm. my narrative. I get really nervous speaking in front of large groups. I get really mm-hmm. uh, very anxious. Um, I just like being in closed spaces in which mm-hmm. I can really control how my energy and what energy I receive, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but poetry was kind of my outlet to expressing myself within my room um, when I was alone. And I could really say anything. You know, I could cry, you know, in my words. I could laugh. I could be authentic without having anybody question um, why I felt the way I did or I just questioned my identity or the process and how weird that may be. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like early on adults put labels on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like early on adults sexualized me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my way of saying, you know what? Um, I always had notebooks. So I always just wrote how I felt, wrote about my day, but in a specific way. It was always conversational. It was always me speaking to either past self or a future self. And it's crazy how now I realize like that's always been my pattern of thinking. That's always been my pattern of expressing myself to myself. Um, so I don't have to go to storage and get all like all of my notebooks and say, yeah. oh, what did little Jai think yeah. back in the day? Have you ever published any of those, any of those pieces? Or is that you keep that close? Um, so I, I am thinking about pub- publishing a work um, mm-hmm. later in the year, um, but I've created pieces, like finished them off with binding and everything. Yeah. Um, but I have them to myself. Um, maybe later on I would like to publish them, um, but I'm very sensitive about my art. Yeah. And I just want to just make sure I put it out there um, when I think the world is ready to see those layers of me mm-hmm. and when I'm ready. But I definitely like to more so give little snippets here and there through letters that I write my friends or just pieces that I show people. So was the Protagonista series like you kicking that off? Was that kind of like you kicking off? Okay, this is me testing out how I feel in those environments where I just have a a bunch of eyes looking Mm -hmm. at me, hanging on to my every word. It's a little intimidating. Very. Um, So was this kind of like that moment where you're like, okay, I'm testing the waters. Let me see how this goes. And if if I feel good in this, I'm on to the next thing and how I present my work. I would definitely say yeah. so. I yeah. think that when I left undergrad, I left with a very rocky, I would say self-esteem because I was just entering a a new era for myself. You know, at that time I decided I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to live in my truth. I'm going to live unapologetically. I may not know at the time what that looks like, but one day when I'm comfortable enough, um, I'm just gonna take the chance. And I feel like I prayed and I um, manifested a lot of these things back in um, August. Mm -hmm. You know, I wrote down a lot of the things that I wanted to do. And one of the things was put myself out there, um, just really serve as a catalyst for someone else to tell their story. Um, I may not have all the answers to all the questions that people may expect me to have. Um, I'm just being myself and allowing myself to be vulnerable to the world so mm-hmm. they, they can see this is an authentic person. This is a person that just, wanted, just wants to thrive yeah. without 
being pressured by their curiosity or by their expectations. Mm. Um, so Protagonistas was definitely the first platform um, to give me that. So I'm very excited um, to see, you know, how p other people react to it. Um, it was definitely a stepping stone, a starting point. And I can't wait to see what else um, I allow myself to get into, you know, to just advocate for my people, for those that are like me, um, to talk about different issues within our community that may not be so nice, like racism, because um, I feel like, or even um, colorism within our community, because that's mm -hmm. also very big. Yeah. Um, and all of those things get overlooked. So I just want to talk about my experiences so people can say, hey, um, these are things that happen. We need to talk about them, even if they make us feel uncomfortable. And we need to mind our business yeah. and allow someone else to speak. Let's talk a bit more about colorism mm -hmm. and racism in the community. What what has been your experience? Why do you think that happens? And in your mind, in your perspective, what would be the ideal societal mm -hmm. framework where everyone feels welcome and heard? Of course, um, I would say it started early on. Um, as a child, I had a different texture of hair than my siblings. Mm -hmm. um, and I noticed people would say certain things um, like they would want, or more so adults, like older generations say, oh, they married a particular person to make sure that their kids were lighter. Mm -hmm. Or they would say phrases like um, arreglando la raza or something mm -hmm. like that. They wanted to make sure the children had different texture of hair, right. were lighter. Um, so they could possibly get more opportunities or be some more white passing. Um, I feel like I did not ever in my life seem as someone that was Caucasian. You know, I was never white passing. That was just never my thing. Um, but seeing how other people around me um, in college, in school, how they would get treated differently um, if they were darker, how even within our community, just the language was different. Um, and even in college, when I realized, um, my experiences as, at the time, as, um, as Latina mm -hmm. are not the same as someone that is white passing. Right. There's certain privileges, there's certain conversations that are not had within the realm. I feel like, um, a lot of individuals, even within Chicago, within the Latino community, when they go to a different neighborhood, Oh, it's instantly, oh, that's the hood or that's mm -hmm. um, that's a bad neighborhood just because they see people of a darker complexion walking down the street. Um, you, I feel like I always remember derogatory comments towards African-Americans um, mm -hmm. within our community. Um, it was always using derogatory language right. um, that was reclaimed by African-Americans, that was reclaimed by those of African descent. Um, in everyday language, mm -hmm. but you, yet you don't identify as black. That's an issue. I don't know how you can just completely ignore your roots. Like we got European blood, mm -hmm. we got African blood, we got indigenous blood. So that is who we are. Mm -hmm. So to just claim one part of that, it's totally just minimizing mm -hmm. the other parts of, of our identity and where we come from. Why do you think people aren't proud of that? It's just very questionable because I feel yeah. like even within American society, you know, Puerto Rico, is still a colony, mm -hmm. you know, let's just put that out there. Mm -hmm. And I feel that um, individuals are erasing the authors of a lot of their identity. 
um, bomba, plena, salsa, sofrito, the way we talk, or even spirituality, santeria, yeah. like mm-hmm. other forms, you know, those are all different things that connect us to our ancestors. Like I read something where it was like, uh, we hold um, trauma mm-hmm. within our DNA. So you're saying that you hold trauma from your ancestors, you know, you're saying you have all their blood running through your veins. However, now in this time, you want to deny that in order to gain access to get a seat at a table that isn't even for you. Mm-hmm. I, that's something I don't that doesn't just sit well with me. Like if I'm at a table, it's going to be my own table in which is going to be people that are like me, that are celebrated people of all different creeds that really support um everyone you know i feel like i acknowledge i celebrate my blackness i celebrate my indigenous roots um i celebrate my trans brothers and sisters i celebrate that i'm a member within the lgbt community even though there are other members within our community that really throw trans women under the bus Mm. um so it's really just advocating for for myself for others like me and really stepping up to the plate and questioning elders when they use certain language when they Mm -hmm. shouldn't or when they make derogatory comments about someone's skin color or about the texture of someone's hair because it's not Eurocentric. Yeah. Um, how do you do? How do you do that? Just like I'm thinking, people that are listening that maybe around the the dinner table and their abuelo, abuela, mm-hmm. mom, dad, mm-hmm. uh, sibling, friend says something problematic that's very offensive to entire groups of people. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate those conversations? I mean, I guess I see it. I'm glad that my aunt and my grandmother were um, were always willing to expand their mind, mm-hmm. um, always willing to learn, to uh, to change. And even as I transition, it's a process for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I do have to have discussions with them about issues that are very sensitive to me, mm-hmm. I try to break it down in a way that they might understand i'm patient with them Mm -hmm. but i don't compromise my truth um i think it just depends on the situation um because there are going to be certain spaces where someone is going to say something that is completely out of pocket Mm -hmm. and i will have to check them i will have to read them and Mm -hmm. i have no problem doing so Mm -hmm. um and i think it's really standing in one's truth and not allowing anyone's insecurities to shake you um just literally come for them if you have to but understand that it's a conversation it's a dialogue and depending on how someone's going to come to me uh with their curiosity with their questions is usually how i'm going to respond if you come to me with respect with genuine desire to learn i will give you the response of love of um giving you all that you need to know about my experience, the truth, mm-hmm. in a way that you'll be able to digest it. Um, but I'm not going to sugarcoat things yeah. because people like me, people like us on a day-to-day basis are killed. Trans women, black trans women are being killed at an alarming rate. Um, individuals that identify as black or Latino, um, indigenous, um, they go through shit, mm-hmm. you know? They're not, they don't have the privilege to just always walk down the block and automatically assume that one's safe. Like, it's not easy. Getting a job is not easy. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole process of finding housing mm-hmm. is not easy. Of, of, of being respected by your peers, by just being respected on the bus sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of times I feel like Caucasian Americans just 
overlooked that were there that were present mm. you know look past you L look past me but it would be very thirsty to take the language that is created from our community be mm. really thirsty to take the style and it's like you just completely want to erase again the author but loving the product mm. loving you know the people that create right you like, know really problematic things in our society that I think we're still trying to navigate. And I think having these conversations around the dinner table is mm -hmm. a good place to start. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, do you feel like your family, it sounded like you said from your tia and your abuela, I mm -hmm. think it was, it was a process. So as mm -hmm. a, as a trans Latina, was that hard for them to, to accept? If you don't mind me asking. No, 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 of course. No, I'm very open like, in regards yeah, to yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I think that um, my femininity was always expressed even as a child. So I think they knew something was there. Mm -hmm. um, yes, they had certain expectations or they had an idea of where they wanted me to go. But I'm a very rebellious person. <laughs> really yeah. do my own thing. So I feel like when I identified as a gay man, it, mm -hmm. it was kind of like a no-brainer for them to be like, oh, okay, cool, like it came out the closet. Mm -hmm. But it was always an identity. I was like, mm, this doesn't necessarily feel like it's really where it needs to be. This mm -hmm. is not necessarily the mm -hmm. puzzle piece that exactly fits. So when I came out as a trans woman, it definitely shook up um, some emotions. It shook mm -hmm. up understandings. Um, again, my grandmother is from Pentecostal background, um, from Luquillo, Puerto Rico. Like, mm -hmm. it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's not very open mm -hmm. um, to others like me. Uh, but we have always been here. We have been mm -hmm. here since the beginning of time. Uh, trans history was just erased by ignorance and by colonialism. Um, so that's why I always like to, you know, do my little research, find mm -hmm. pictures of the past, stories of the past, so I can show them, like, we have been here. You know, we have been healers. We have been and teachers, we had been individuals, they were there to support, they were there to thrive. They just wanted to just be themselves. That's it, that is it. I'm not hurting nobody. I am not coming for anybody. I'm minding my own business. So unless you're paying me in any sort, unless you're supporting me, unless you're giving me something, I'm not even checking for your opinion. <laughs> I feel that, I feel that. I think it's, it's extremely important to understand not only ourselves, but understand how to articulate mm -hmm. that identity, um, whether that's the style of clothes we wear, mm -hmm. the makeup we wear, how mm -hmm. we do our hair, how we speak, you know, how just that expression is. There's mm -hmm. so much beauty in that. It's only right that we present ourselves as uniquely us. That's mm -hmm. true to who we who we are. Can you share how you live a life that is unapologetically you? I would say uh, when I wake up in the morning, I definitely have... Um, I read affirmations to myself. Mm -hmm. I try to, you know, just put myself in a very positive mindset. Um, I know that as I navigate through the world, uh, due to safety reasons, I have to navigate a, a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Yes, I live boldly. However, I have to make sure that there's others that are not going to necessarily be so welcoming of individuals like me. Mm -hmm. So I have to be on guard. However, in expressing myself and being vulnerable and checking someone if you know maybe the right pronouns aren't being used or if i'm being disrespected out of nowhere like i'm going to fight for who i am and for my identity in any space um and i just do whatever feels comfortable for me yeah um there's going to be moments where i want to be in joggers um there's going to be moments where as a trans woman um 
I'm not going to be passing. And that is not my goal to just be passing in the society because whether or not a trans woman passes or trans man passes or not, you still should give them respect. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that's something that goes overlooked. Um, so I might have a beard some, you know, times, you know, because I may be lazy or, you know, I'm currently, currently on hormones. Um, and maybe I won't have to do that in the future. But no matter what I look like, no matter how I may present myself, I deserve respect mm. because I give respect. So it should always be a two-way street. So I live in an unapologetic truth because I just allow myself to be myself. I don't criticize or critique myself as I did before. I just live, enjoy. What do you do in those times where it's just hard to love yourself? Like, and you mentioned mm -hmm. reading affirmations in the mm -hmm. morning. I mean, but I mean, I think we all go through those mm -hmm. ups and downs. Like when it's when you just like feel so down, it's hard to love yourself. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that helps kind of bring you back up? I would say music has always been in my outlet. Like, um, <laughs> throw it down. What's the track list? Oh my What's gosh, the playlist? No, no. I have playlists for everything. I have playlists for crying. I have playlists for going on an adventure. All right. uh, so no matter where I explore, or even when I'm in my space, or even in the shower, like I would literally play everything from Tevin Campbell to Aguanile. Just I have just. Yeah. Oh, I love music. So just be able love to that. sing, being able to dance, being able to just. Allow myself to be free in the moment. I just, I just love music. That's, that's how I affirm myself. That's how I cope. That's why I heal because I'm able to bring my inner femininity out. I'm able to just be present. But like dance is my way of connecting to a higher, higher power. So just to wrap up our conversation, do you have any advice for aspiring poets or visual artists as they strive to perfect that art form? What advice would you, would you tell them? I would say take your time. Mm -hmm. I would say um, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Write for you. Visual artists do things for you. I feel like we live in the age of social media, so everyone there's so many expectations. Constantly upload, constantly put out your work. Content, content, exactly. Content, content. And it's like yeah, no, right, right. it's like you're gonna burn yourself out, darling. Right. Just take your time, like. I do things for me, you know, mm -hmm. and I do things for individuals in the future too. If they come across it, they could be like, wow, like people like me were here before me, you know, I'm able to pass the baton to somebody else. So just take your time, like relax, like enjoy the process, enjoy learning and doing things with a budget, you know, mm -hmm. with maybe just a disposable camera or just a random piece of paper. like. Art is everywhere. Um, one of my inspirations is Basquiat. Um, I'm probably pronouncing his name horribly, but it's okay. <laughs> um, he was a Puerto Rican and Haitian artist. Can you spell York. that? Can you spell that? Uh, do you know how the spelling yes, of that? Yes, it's B-A-S-Q-U-I-A-T, if I'm correct. Okay. Basquiat. So um, he, a lot of his work is on the streets of New York. Um, just like, just writings on the wall, like questions. Um, I guess just like little sparks of thought um, that really get you to, you know, just stop, mm -hmm. pause, and reflect on who you are, where you stand, what is the world like around you. Um, and it was stuff that is not necessarily considered conventional beauty, which mm -hmm. I appreciate. I feel like a lot of my work is exploring that awkward phase in things, you know, that weird in between, that limbo. Um, that gray area, because I feel like a lot of my life has been 
trying to find that balance sure, sure. and dancing in, yeah. in that limbo, that gray area. So, um, yeah, just allow people, you know, time to find their voice, you know, to evolve. Um, how you write yesterday or how you draw or do anything yesterday is going to be different from tomorrow. Like, put in the work um, and just enjoy what you do. For people that want to continue connecting mm -hmm. with you past this interview. Is there a website, social media mm -hmm. channels that people should know about? Of course. So I'm primarily on Instagrams and you can follow me, Jai, J-A-I, Neosh, N-E-O-J. Um, if you want to just connect with me, um, you know, just have conversations, just my goofy goofy or just about daily issues and stuff like that. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Madame Neoj. So it's M-A-D-A-M-E-N-E-O-J. Jaikun Neoj, thank you for coming on the Basel thank podcast. Thank you for having me. We're going to hit a quick break, but don't go anywhere because when we come back, returning guest Sabrina Alicea is going to stop by the show and we're going to hear about Somos Arte. We want to take this moment to say thank you again for listening. When you download our podcast or subscribe to the podcast itself, that makes a world of difference. So gracias for taking your time to listen to us. We also want to take this time to thank the sponsor of today's episode. This episode would not be possible without the generous support of the Puerto Rican Cultural Center. The Puerto Rican Cultural Center, located at 2546 West Division Street, right here in Chicago, is a community-based, grassroots, educational, health, and cultural services organization founded on the principles of self-determination, self-actualization, and self-sufficiency that is all activist-oriented. For more information on the work they do, Give them a visit at their website at prcc-chgo.org. Again, that's prcc-chgo.org. Now, if you or anyone else you know would like to be a sponsor of the Paseo Podcast, please email us at paseopod at gmail.com. That's P-A-S-E-O-P-O-D at gmail.com. Tell them Joshua from Humble Park sent you. Gracias por esperar. Now we're going to head into my interview with Sabrina Alicea to discuss Somos Arte and the beginning of the road to the Puerto Rican Festival in Chicago. This is the Paseo Podcast. We are here in the Puerto Rican Cultural Center on Paseo Boricua in Chicago, Illinois. I am here with a returning guest on the Paseo Podcast, Sabrina Alicea, creator of Shop La Maestra and the director of arts and education for the Puerto Rican Festival. Sabrina, welcome back to the Paseo Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, thanks for coming back on again. <laughs> um, so I wanted to have you on because last we spoke, you had mentioned that you were once again uh, in the, on the planning team for the Puerto Rican Festival. You're serving as a director of arts and education. And I happened to see this event on my Facebook feed called Somos Arte. So I reached out to you real quick, said, mm -hmm. come on the show, let's break it down for our audience. What is Somos Arte? Somos Arte is an event that we are hosting at Granero on February 27th. It's uh, by the 
Arts and Education Committee for the Puerto Rican Festival. We're trying to bring together a community of people who appreciate art and also want to be a service to the people of Puerto Rico. So basically, it's a silent auction event. We've got over 30 artists donating their work, and all of the funds from the silent auction are going to go to benefit the Maria Fund, which helps with uh, hurricane and earthquake relief back on the island. Nice. Okay, I definitely mm -hmm. want to approach each of those points mm -hmm. you made. Uh, let's start with the connection to the Puerto Rican Festival. How is this event connected to that? So we're bringing together this community of art and uh, people who you know, appreciate art for the Puerto Rican Festival. We want to bring in more art to the festival in itself. We have lots of artists within the Puerto Rican community, and we feel like this is an area where our festival can grow to bring in our artists, to bring in visual artists, bring in uh, creators, makers, all sorts of things like that. And of course, art is nothing without the people who appreciate it. So we wanted to bring people together to see what they can expect at the festival, uh, the types of artists they can expect at the festival. And then also, you know, we want to bring some volunteers in if people want to be a part of it we'll be having volunteer forms and you can come and spend some time at the festival helping us out in the art section as well that's a great way to kind of open that up to the community mm -hmm. to get involved i think this is the first time i've ever seen an event that is kind of like the start of the road yeah. to the the pr fest so i think it's a really cool idea Thanks. after this event do you know yet how many other events you're going to have between somos arte and the pr fest are you looking mm -hmm. at like a once a month thing every couple of months like we're, we're definitely going to do some more stuff we want to see um what the community wants, what's the community need. So right now, obviously, there is a strong need for donations back to our island and people want to give, people want to serve. So we thought this was a perfect way to tie it together. So after this, maybe we'll, you know, take take a kind of look around at what everybody is asking for mm -hmm. and see what we can provide for our community. Cool. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the silent auction. Mm -hmm. So uh, for people that may not may have never attended an event where there is a silent auction, can you break down exactly what a silent auction is? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to have art from all of these different artists up around the event space, um, just kind of put up on a panel board. So you imagine if you walk into a gallery where it would be up on the wall and then there's a description next to it, um, there will also be a clipboard. And on the clipboard, it'll have the starting price of the auction. We're also going to do a flat buyout rate. So if you look at this piece and you're like, I want it done, you know, you can also purchase it flat out for that. Um, and then people will go up and put their name, their information and how much they're willing to to. Um, I guess you can call it a donation, how much they're willing to donate for the art. And then at the end of the night, we determine a winner and whoever bids the most ends up with that piece and gets to take it home. Nice. Mm -hmm. I've been to a number of events where there's a silent auction and I'm, I never win, <laughs> but I'm always trying to hustle to be that last person on the yeah. clipboard. It's a fun, it's a fun element to any event. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about these 30 artists. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you who your favorite <laughs> is. I'm not going to ask you to run through the entire list because I know people can go to the Facebook event page mm -hmm. and see that list. Um, but how did you cultivate this group of artists? Are mm -hmm. they local from around the United States, from the island? How, how did this list how was this list created? We, we started local. And so okay. we thought about artists um, who are Puerto Rican and in Chicago, and we especially want to highlight them. We want to make sure that they that we provide them with a platform because that's our community. Those are our people. Um, and then there's also a lot of artists within Chicago 
who may not be Puerto Rican, but support us and support the initiatives of the festival who have been from before. Um, and so they are donating their pieces as well. And another one of our committee members has done a really, really excellent job of actually um, connecting with a lot of Puerto Ricans on the East Coast. So we have quite a bit of pieces coming from them there as well. Um, and it's just where this is the first time we're doing this event. This is the first time we're having an art installation the way we are at the festival. And so we're just expanding and trying to bring together this community throughout the diaspora. Oh, it's super yeah. dope. I'm glad that y'all invited some allies to the cookout too. Yes, I think of that's course. really cool. Allies are always welcome. Always. Um, Maria Fund. So you said all the proceeds from this event go to the Maria Fund? Yes. What is that nonprofit? The Maria Fund is actually it was a re it's a unique type of nonprofit. I really liked it when we looked into it. So Basically, um, it's a an organization that collects funds and then um, different nonprofits on the island will kind of fill out a form or some sort of, you know, ask for the fund for projects that they they want to do. So, for example, if, a, if um, an organization says that they want to build, you know, a couple houses on this one area because of something that happened from the hurricane or from the earthquakes, they go to the Maria Fund, they ask for a certain amount of money and the Maria Fund disperses it to them. So it's really cool because the Maria okay. Fund does a lot of the legwork that us who are a little bit, you know, we're kind of disconnected being away from the mm -hmm. island. Um, they do the background, they, they know what the nonprofits are doing. They're able to share their information. And so that's a really cool um, aspect. And then one of the board members is also a member of our community as well, Teresita. So she was able to connect us. And that makes me feel good, too. There's a lot more transparency with where our money is going. So is the idea moving forward uh, as you put more events on the calendar between now and the festival for there to be a philanthropic element mm -hmm. to each of these events where... Maybe there's an, is there going to be like a different nonprofit that the proceeds will go to to every event or I think am I getting too ahead of no 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 everything the, the that we've that we've done and everything that I try to do person on a personal mm -hmm. level always has a component of service to it mm -hmm. um, even when we speak about installations at the festival which we want to curate and we're putting together we're we're like okay how can we give back where where can we donate this piece to where can we collect loose change to donate to somebody so there's always going to be an element of service service um, within our community. So this one right now is just for the Maria Fund. Um, we're donating. We're also going to have a raffle at the event as well. And the funds from the raffle will go to the Maria Fund. But from here on out, there's always going to be something. And I think when it gets time for the festival as well, not only do we need to help on the island, but we also need to help our community here in Chicago as well. So that'll definitely be part of what we do. Will there also be the opportunity to donate to the festival itself? Or No. Okay. Yeah, we're not we're not collecting for the festival right okay. now. Um, we really wanted, my mindset is thinking about the art community, bringing mm -hmm. that together and then donating to our island. One that is a good example is like the Pilsen Fest, mm -hmm. I believe. They're basically yeah. doing an event that the funds for that are going to help the Pilsen Fest. And I think that's a really cool model that they're using. I admire that. So, nice. yeah, could be something we we bring in. Right on. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, last couple of questions. The Puerto Rican Festival takes place when? June 18th to the 21st. Mark your calendars, people. Yes. And how can people find out more information about Somos Arte? Yes. So we have an event on Facebook. It's through the Puerto Rican Festival page of Chicago. So all of the details are on there. All of the artists that you can find are on there. Um, the location, everything. It's a free event as well. So just come show up, hang out. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, we also have our Instagram page, PR Fest Chicago on Instagram. All right. Mm -hmm. Sabrina Alicea, thank you once again for coming on the show. Great Appreciate having it. you back. Thanks.
Special thanks to Jaikun Niyoj and Sabrina Alisea for coming on the podcast. Without our awesome guests, this podcast would not be possible. And without you, our listeners, this would not be possible. So we really appreciate you listening. If you want to reach out to the show, connect with us by visiting our website, baseomedia.org, emailing us at baseopodcast at gmail.com, and following us at baseopodcast on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a tip, want to pitch a story, or send us a compliment, we love to hear from you. Thanks for downloading this episode, and see you next week. Cuídate.